then here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hey there, and welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. It is Thursday, July the 20th, 2023, uh, 9.15 a.m. Central Time. And I'm getting feedback from the YouTube feed. To put that on mute because that'll drive me nuts. That was coming through my ear. I was hearing myself on delay talking to myself. That was bizarre and uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> can't believe it's July 20th already, Scott. This is summer is uh moving quickly, and uh, we have uh, I should let people know programming note up front. We will be in Indianapolis next week for Big Ten football media days. So we will not have a Thursday podcast next week, most likely Friday, but we will give you up, keep you updated on that. And I'll let folks know uh, via Twitter uh, what the plan is. Um, I saw your tweet either from last night or this morning, Scott, on the series finale of Mayans. I did not get a chance to watch it last night, so no spoilers. Uh, oh, just, uh, just your reaction. They had a great ending. I think that was probably a more satisfactory ending than what we had with Sons. And um, how many episodes behind are you? The, just the finale. Just the finale. I caught up last week on everything else. Okay. So, yeah, I just, the, I'm down to the last one. This was one of the better finales you'll find. Good. Honestly. It's, it's not a disappointing one, you know, and it's this one. And let's see, Succession was pretty good. And, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you know, it just shows you the wide range of my interests, <laughs> I suppose. I thought that was fantastic. So lately I've been doing well on the series finales. Um, but yeah, I thought this one was right. Let's just say that. Good. I won't go any farther because I don't want to ruin it for you. I was going to watch it last night, but I didn't want to watch commercials. I want to be able to get through it, you know, without the commercials. And uh, so I I carried on with uh, the final season of Handmaid's Tale, which I'm haven't. I'm finally catching up on. It's been busy, but finally catching up on the final season of that and got into watched an episode of that last night. So another one of my, another one of my uh, favorite series, The Handmaid's Tale. So we'll, fin we'll finish up Mayans probably tonight and then finish up Handmaid's Tale here 
over the rest of the summer. And uh, then I'll be ready for the fall when I watch very little TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. This is I, I I think every summer I would pick like a different series a lot of times and binge. And I haven't really I haven't really done that yet, but yeah, I, this fall will be weird, you know, with all the with the strikes, you know, when is ever when is everything yeah. going to take place, but it's also a good time to catch up on ones that I've been ah, thinking about or kind of want to get into, but I don't know. I'm a chronic just an absolute worst person to sit with it during just TV because I surf like no other and I'll go through Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime and I'll watch a little bit of the trailer and then I'll go to something else and my wife's like you know you've sat there for an hour and just look through all this stuff and I'm like yeah I kind of want to watch it but I don't know I want to dedicate the time to it but I'll sure as hell dedicate the time to surfing the whole time so uh and yeah maybe I can figure something out but then once football starts I'm you know, I might pick one show and watch it once a week, and that'll be about it. Yeah, and it's coming quickly. Um, we found out yesterday. Um, we found out early, recently who was going to to uh, Indianapolis for Iowa football, and uh, I think you both, you and I, had heard um, the possibility of Noah Shannon being part of the gambling investigation, which when he was announced going to Indianapolis, I think you probably had a similar <laughs> reaction to me like, hmm, interesting. And then yesterday, uh, th- Wednesday, July 19th, we found out that Jay Higgins, an Indiana native, would be replacing Noah Shannon. Um, Noah Shannon backed out because he's part of the gambling investigation. And um saw another national story uh, updating that gambling investigation and talking to uh, um, the criminal investigation folks in Iowa, and they say they have no update. What is going on? I wish I knew. I wish I had an idea, and I know they do. Can know, we put an end to this thing already? How involved can it be? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unless there's if, if it's innocent enough, I mean, you'd hope that they would have, I mean, we're talking, we're getting close to three months now. You'd like to see some sort of conclusion or at least a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, you know, now is it criminal or is it just kids being kids? You know, I'd like to know that answer. And, and if there are, if there are different athletes, let's say that out of the 26 that were initially implicated, that 20 of them, really have no issues other than they gambled and they're going to have suspensions or whatever. Right. If a kid made a, if there's one kid that made like a bet or two, just let them out of this. Just, you know, it seems like it it, it would be, it would be unusual if all of the people involved in this were, uh, you know, gambling on the same level. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's going to be somebody, you know, and, and I know that there are different levels, whether they're current or former athletes, at Iowa. And certainly there's a huge difference in some of them in, in Iowa state as well. Um, that, you know, some did a lot, some did a little, and the ones that did a lot are the ones that are going to have to, um, you know, I mean, I guess there's some that maybe they already let go and we just don't know it. Maybe they're just going to announce all of them at once other than of course, Noah Shannon and what we discovered with baseball. But I think really it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it's just the lack of any kind of knowledge of it is it gets frustrating after a while. And I know I listened to Matt Campbell talk last week about, 
you know, so, you know, he's hoping to get more clarity before the start of training camp is kind of what he said. He said he had no updates, but that's what he's hoping for. I think at that point, you kind of have to, if you're the football coach, or at least acknowledge what the issues are. So that's, uh, this is, but it's, it's getting, you know, to, to circle all the way back to Noah Shannon, we knew about it, you know, we'd heard about it all along. He's always a name that kind of resurfaced, but we don't know how much he's done. You know, we don't know if it's 200 or less, it's just education anyway. I wonder, it makes me think they included him initially in going to Indianapolis. That Maybe I'm connecting the dots wrong here, but that leads me to believe that what he did wasn't that serious, if they were even considering bringing him, because I don't think they just found out in the last week that he was somebody that was part of it. Well, exactly. And, and or, or they probably thought that it'd be adjudicated by now. Yeah. And, and maybe it's, he'd get a one game suspension. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how much he bet. He could bet 20 cents for all I know, or $2,000, but they probably. Can you bet 20 cents? Well, you can, if you're. That'd be my betting range. Yeah. Get caught. Penny, penny <laughs> slots, man. You know? yeah. and then, then Rest in peace to my grandma Lee. Yeah. Who loved <laughs> the penny slots. <laughs> And then I think that was some of the best gambling I've ever done in Vegas. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, if, if you bet $5 versus, you know, 500 versus a thousand, you know, I mean, that's, that's a huge disparity in range and, and how you're going to handle things. And I think in his case, uh, you know, it, maybe they thought it was going to be over by now. Maybe yeah. then, then, Hey, yeah, I was part of it. Uh, I was looked into, but I didn't bet that much and blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe, you know, he doesn't want to answer any questions about it either. You know, maybe he just decides, you know what, I'm just going to, I don't want to have to, even if I'm fine, I just don't want to have to have to spend half my, you know, what, I guess they only have a half an hour now instead of an hour like it used to be. But, you know, I don't want to spend all my time discussing stuff like this. And, and that's understandable. I was surprised when his name was brought up just because I knew that he was involved in it. And, and so, to reach this point it's a mature decision if he's the one who decided to make it and, and i have no reason to believe otherwise he's always been a mature young man so um you know i guess uh we'll, we'll talk to jay so now that it is out there and his name is out there then you wonder what's is there a suspension what's the suspension i mean he's a starting defensive tackle they obviously have depth at that position now you wonder you know when is a decision going to be made? And if the investigation is still going on, are things treated, is the situation treated like the baseball situation where you're just not allowed to compete until we finish this investigation? So does that mean these football players are just on the hook if the investigation decides, ah, we're we're still not comfortable, we don't have a conclusion yet, and it goes into, you know, the end of August, into September, you know, yeah. That's why I feel like, again, we'll, uh, Scott and I think I think Scott and I are in agreement on this. These guys knew it was wrong, and they did it anyway. And you deal with punishment for doing things like that. But it just seems like this. If you're going to open an investigation and look into it, that unless this is just like a crazy involved with a bunch of tentacles. And we haven't gotten any indication that, you know, these guys are betting on their teams or their sport or their school or whatever it is, but maybe the school 
in certain situations, but um, I don't know. There, there need you get your, you do, you know, you're going to be punished for your transgression, but can I get my punishment at some point here instead of just leaving me twisting in the wind for months? And that's to me, I have no problem with them uh, handing out punishment for this. If it's a rules violation, but there should also be some courtesy here with these kids that have a small window of time to play their college careers, to be able to come up with a resolution here. That very well, it could be the case, but it's also, they may already know. We just don't know. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, they could have already said, okay, we, we talked to the NCAA about you, you bet $150 on the Super Bowl and some NBA games and, we're just going to educate you, <laughs> which is the, everybody gets educated, I guess, on this, yeah. which I think is uh, fair that probably the whole team and everybody around the team should be as well. But, but I think, uh, you know, so they may know it, but, or they may not, maybe they are just as much in the dark as we all are. And, and, and as frustrating as it can be for us or for fans, it's exponentially worse for players because their their lives are at stake. I mean, no, Shannon's not coming back to Iowa for uh, sixth year just to um, sit on the sidelines for six games or more. You know, so this is. Um, what if he would have come back if he knew this was going to happen? Yeah, it's, it's. I you know if he's if it's really undetermined for him, and, and we still have six plus weeks, right? And and he can practice. All of them can practice, mm-hmm. so they're not going to miss any kind of function you know until they know that again you know well you got to sit out a game or two games or whatever um but you know it's just um i don't know i i guess at this point hopefully we can find out more i think everybody wants to put it behind them and i know it's the same case at iowa state too and i think they actually have some more severe cases than iowa does in football anyway and and but but you know, Noah's case, 60-year guy, we all respect him, been around the system for a long, long time, well-liked, and uh, this is unfortunate for him because, you know, we do as who's going to represent. we're looking at it for our point of view as um you know we you know who are the most interesting people and best players and um you know sorry about that we had a little hiccup there uh connection wise or whatever i don't know some type of technical computer issue but um, Scott was talking about uh, Noah Shannon's case. Uh, locked up. Okay. Sorry about that. Little technical difficulties. We haven't had that for a while. Maybe just a wake up call for us that uh, sometimes these things happen and there's editing in, involved in these things. I don't know what's happening on YouTube live. Uh, sorry, folks over there. We are back. And Scott was talking about uh, the Noah, Noah Shannon case. And uh, we'll pick up there. And uh, hopefully I can edit this. <laughs> yeah. 
Go ahead. Roll. All right. Yeah. You know, I, I think when we were talking about Noah, you know, and I'm trying to remember what I said and how much might end up in here, but I'm sure it was brilliant. Yeah. Everything we say on this podcast is high level brilliance. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly, you know, the scarecrow <laughs> on this one, but, <laughs> but, you know, Noah deserved it to have that rec- that recognition to go to Indianapolis, you know, those types of, it's an honor for the football program that's how they view it. Of course, we view it differently. We want the most interesting and best players to go. And I think Cooper DeGene fits the bill on both ends. But, um, you know, Noah is an important person who represents the program the way they want it represented. And I think when you look at, uh, you know, and that's why he was given that that honor. And the fact that he's not going to go is, is fine. I mean, you know, but it, it it's really unfortunate for him. I'm sure what they... Uh, you know, why they gave him that to begin with just had to deal with, uh, they, they probably figured it was either done or it was it was going to be done or Noah's not going to be a problem uh, with this case. And yet now here we are going, all right, what's, uh, you know, is he going to be, you know, and now, now he's probably going to have to answer a ton of questions regarding this. And I think that's probably you know, why it makes sense to probably back him off, but I was kind of surprised he was there to begin with, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. It, when I saw it, I was like, okay, so nothing to see there. You know, he's, he's in good shape. And obviously uh, with the press release yesterday that there have been a switch in uh, representation for Iowa. We'll see. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, Kirk will be asked about that down there now as a result of this um, and where things are at there. So he'll be able to uh, he'll be able to share his opinion on how he feels this investigation is gone, which will be interesting. Um, I'm sure he'll be diplomatic about it, but also uh, uh, probably uh, support his his student athletes and, you know, the them, as we talked about them getting some closure on this thing sooner rather than later. Right. I think in some respects here, what we're going to, you know, see is, you know, he was a couple of uh, months ago, I talked to him at, in uh, Cedar Rapids and in Carroll and Kirk both times was uh, he really got kind of, you know, he, he, it was still early enough in the investigation where when was that? Yeah, that was in May. That was okay, so. like the iClub stuff. And okay. And you know, so he talked a little bit about the investigation, but really at that point it was still in the beginning and he's probably thinking of it like, I'm not going to stress out about it. The season's not for another three plus yeah. months. Um, we'll just go, you know, not, nothing's changed as far as workouts go and I'll know what I know. But now that you're getting into a couple of weeks from training camp, Indianapolis, and, you know, then that, that's when it starts to go, okay, this is, uh, we need to get some sort of conclusion here. So I figured he probably would have to answer these questions anyway, just like Matt Campbell did. Um, I hope in his case that nobody really asks him um, while he's at the podium. I mean, like at the big podium, but if he is, then he is. And and I'd rather get a little bit more clarity on the side. Is your mic level all the way up? Somebody in the YouTube chat room said your volume isn't as high as mine. You sound okay to me, but. Okay. Let me uh, let me check here. So, all right. Let me. 
This is yeah. this is high level podcasting yeah. right here. <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is why we are... Uh, we are not professionals, man. We got into this business to write. Yeah, exactly. I am not an, an electrician. That's All right. Time. Okay, I just turned it up. So thank you uh, in the YouTube chat room for That was for uh, courtesy out. of Hair Trigger 83 in the chat room. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. What a great year 83 was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dino asked, uh, are there any rumors about Iowa women's wrestling opponents? I have not seen a schedule. It's a good question. Uh, it's coming yeah. uh, quickly, but it's going to be tricky, I would think, initially, just because there aren't a lot of programs, especially when, at Iowa's level, you know, size yeah, of Iowa, you know, a Big Ten schools level, Power Five. It- yeah, I, I haven't heard of any, um, and and I know that there. Yeah, that most of them are really low level um, because there aren't any Power Five ones. There aren't any um, Big Ten programs, and there should be. I mean, come on, you know, I think that would be a a really smart decision by Penn State, by maybe Minnesota, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. You know, Michigan and Ohio State have money to burn. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have the rifle team and water polo and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe make a flip there. No, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, it's it's easy for me to tell people what to do with their money, but but I do think that uh, with with this, uh, what makes the most sense to me, Rob, and I don't know about you, is try to have these duels maybe as double headers or something like that with the. Yeah with the men and not, not every single time, but, you know, maybe early, especially early in the year when you have some of the, the, whatever duels, you know, the duels just to kind of have them and then, and then have like Missouri Valley or Augustana or whoever else is out there in women's wrestling compete, you know, and have them like an hour before or something like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And hopefully, uh, hopefully they do what they can to, you know, generate, I think there's a ton of interest there already, but to get as much as possible, generate as much interest as possible early on. And we know that the, the, um, the men's wrestling meets sell out Mm. pretty much regularly um, these days. So it'd be nice to get, you know, those seats filled and, and have people, you know, especially, you know, families bring their kids and kind of get into that at the, you know, on the ground floor and be a part of the program. You know, we saw it a little bit with um, the uh, Heartlanders hockey team, people trying to get in there and Mm. they've had some struggles with attendance, Uh, but it's really important. This initial season is really important to build. There's the, there's the niche of wrestling fans that are already in, but you want to, Bring more people in. Yeah, sure. And and when you're bringing in, a, you know, a, a different gender, you know, re- women's wrestling um, to the mix that I think you have your hardcore fans. And, and I think in some ways, Rob, you know, WWE is allowed for women's competition in that genre to really grow and have interest beyond just some sort of novelty, maybe the way it was back in the eighties with us, with the fabulous moolah and glow (laughs) and all that. And I know it's different and I don't, you know, but what I mean is it's not just looked upon as, Oh, ain't they quaint. That's neat. You know, no, it's nothing like that. It's legit. It's an Olympic sport. It's one that's going to be, um, you know, have heavy interest. And I think Iowa wrestling fans will have heavy interest in it. And, and I was uh, loaded, right? I don't know yeah. a lot about it, but it seems like they, you know, every recruit they get is like very high end. 
Yeah, right. It looks like every one of them competes at a world level and, yeah. you know, a championship level. And then, you know, who knows, the national tournament will be Iowa versus Iowa in some of these <laughs> categories, uh, you know, which is probably what it should be anyway. But, nah, it, you know, it, it'll be a fascinating wrestling season as a whole. I mean, it, we talked about football, Rob, and, and the uh, gambling investigation. There's a lot I've heard there's more with wrestling than, than there is with the other sports. So, you know, if, if they could bring in a, a ringer for a year, you know, that, that might help this team uh, compete and um, maybe bring some more eyeballs to the arena and to the television, you know, on, on the men's side, that is. When will we find out about this ringer? Is that announcement Tuesday? Did I see that? Yeah, Tuesday, WWE next. Uh, you know, I think unless you're sleeping under a rock or really don't care or haven't paid attention, Gable Stevenson's been kind of promoting this, uh, you know, should he stay with the WWE? Should he go back to college? And then he's had pictures with him and Tom Brands and him in an Iowa t-shirt when he was a young kid. And, uh, you know, whether he stays in Minnesota or comes to to Iowa to compete. And that would be something because, you know, last year with um, when, when you had Spencer Lee, he was an attraction to himself, but the, the difference is Spencer Lee is like an attraction for wrestling fans and people on the edge of wrestling because he's so dominant. Gable Steveson is like WWE excitement. He's like, you know, Tori Ewing, you know, or the big E, I should say. So, uh, <laughs> so he's got a different brand and persona and he's big and he can do cartwheels and flips and stuff. And, and so if, if he was to happen to wear a re- Iowa wrestling singlet this year, it would be off the charts. I mean, they, they don't need to, to sell out the arena anymore because they already been doing that, but, but it will build even more excitement. And then when you throw on the fact that the new wrestling facility should be done in what, six months, I think six, seven months. The sooner um, the better. Yeah. Then wow. You know, yeah. Construction wise, you're on. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to people take out the tiny violin for me having, Mm-hmm. Uh, but parking was a challenge the other day over there for football interviews with yes. construction going on and state baseball going on. So, yeah, if, you're going, so. if you have plans to go over to Carver to get tickets or anything like that, give yourself some extra time. I'd wait till at least next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because, uh, you know, state baseball playoffs over there. But I will yeah. say this. But I want to get this out there for for the um, football program. General public tickets went on sales, uh, single game public tickets for Iowa football. Did I say that right? Went on sale at nine o'clock this morning. So if you're interested in those, you better get on it. Yeah, especially a couple of specific games. Although yes. it, it, when you want to, it's not their fault, but when you look at their schedule, it's not the easiest one for them to just walk in. Like last year, yay, Michigan and Wisconsin and Iowa State, you know, it's like boom, boom, boom. Those would, those would be gone by today. Um, Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska too. And, uh, you know, the whole season was sold out. I think this this time around, you know, some the Western Michigan and, and Utah State might be a little bit of a challenge. And and then uh, you never know with like Illinois and Purdue, although Purdue I think is homecoming. Michigan State is not the Michigan State it was with D'Antonio. They could be good, but I don't think they will be great. Uh, Minnesota is kind of the hallmark. You know, it's kind of the the key team. And Rutgers is in November. Is, is Minnesota the marquee home game this year? I think so. Wow. It's, a, it's like uh, 1960 all over again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, and then Rutgers. I think in Rutgers at Illinois finished the season at home for Iowa. You know, it's one thing when you're playing Rutgers like uh, in September, like they yeah. have in the past. Then it's kind of like it feels it's like a non like conference game. Basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> then it, it's like real now that it's like, oh, it's November 14th. Yeah. Ah, you know, that's like when we should be playing like Purdue, you know, because Iowa has been a little bit spoiled and then, then they played like all their divisional foes for like the last six games of the year for most every season. And now you're going, Oh, (laughs) you know, you go like in the middle of October is like Wisconsin and it's Wisconsin and Minnesota back to back. Then you got to buy like late October. And then, and then it's like Northwestern at Wrigley Rutgers, Illinois and Nebraska. So, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, I tell you what, if you can get to that point and you're unbeaten, you're going to feel pretty good about yourselves maybe finishing the regular season 12 and 0. But I don't know. That Penn State game might be kind of tough. Technical, too. And we'll see next year with, uh, with the blowing up of the divisions, uh, how the schedule is laid out um, will be interesting to see as well. Let's get back. I'm sorry. I got us off track. We were talking about Gable Stevenson before I started <laughs> to talk about, hey, Remind people to get their football tickets. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're supposed to know on Tuesday night. And, I mean, they've been teasing this for a while. You know, the Gable Stevenson on Twitter. And, you know, he put like a, you know, like the baby chick sign on Twitter. You know, the emoji that's signifies Iowa. And then with a question mark. And then he put M for the You think he's messing with – how can he mess with Iowa fans like this? They're going to hate him if he doesn't come here. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's weird if you're going to do that and then turn heel on it. You yeah. know? But maybe I, that's the WWE thing. It could maybe be. He's going to be a heel. <laughs> I, I think in some ways, you know, this is just, uh, you know, either way, he's playing to the crowd. He's playing it up. And, and, he's, and that's, either way, he's getting paid. Yeah. And he's getting a lot of people noticing him you know, that maybe would have ignored him if he was just going to go to WWE. And yeah, he was good in Minnesota. I like watching him. I like watching him compete for Team USA. But but when you look at it, if he wants to next year, and this is if there was one benefit, and it's probably just for him alone in, in having the COVID year wipe out the Olympics for a year is he competed in 2021 and won the gold. That's only a three-year wait to the next Olympics. Mm-hmm. He's got a year to compete in collegiate. And now folks sound freestyle are completely different, but there's enough of the same discipline that, you know, it's really helpful. So, and in the back of his mind, and I'm only speculating here is the combination of, I could go to WWE now and be great, be a fun wrestler to watch, or I could go win another gold medal and compete and win a national title. And then if you're looking at WWE as your future, which he obviously is, he's he's going to be a star. Well, do you want to do it in Minnesota before 5,000 fans at, at max? Or do you want to go do it before 15 every single duel? And then you can play up to the crowd like you will when you're in WWE. And that's what Iowa is. That's where Iowa can, can build that is, you know, he could do the exact same thing at Minnesota as he does at Iowa. He's going to go out and win a national title, train for the Olympics while doing it. You know, and you got the Hawkeye Wrestling Club here too, and and they'll be in that new facility. But you know, he, he can do it before fifteen thousand fans, and having that kind of atmosphere every night, 
that's something you, you want as a wrestler, especially somebody who's going to try to promote himself, you know, and I don't know how, what NIL is going to play into this. Iowa doesn't have a collective, uh, but it, it does have some deep pockets on the wrestling side of things. Yes, it does. My guess is he either just, I, I think he comes back. That's just a guess. That's not a prediction, but I think he comes to Iowa. I think he does. I think he comes to Iowa so he can win another natty and then he can go on and win gold and then go to the WWE and he'll be, you know, really boost his popularity because it's just something that, you know, nobody knows about the Olympic athletes until you get to about April next year. Whereas he can build a following wrestling for the, the Mecca of, of college wrestling. And uh, that Penn state duel is already going to be, Lit, as the kids say, but if you had Steveson fighting or uh, wrestling against fellow uh, Twin Cities native Greg Kirkvalit, yeah. uh, their heavyweight, that would yeah. uh, that'd be good stuff. Oh yeah, and and you know that one's already awesome. I mean, you know, I remember the last time they wrestled here, t- you know, it was one versus two, and tickets went for like 150 bucks. Great atmosphere, you know, you know and it, it's just. You know, and you look at the, the the teams that they're wrestling against this year at home. I mean, it's you know you're going to get some. They're going to sell it out again. And if Stevenson does it, they might as well just start the, the season ticket sales right then and there. You know, because uh, everybody's going to want a piece of that. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, Rob. You know, the two most marketable athletes outside of football in, in college athletics are Caitlin Clark and and Gable Stevenson. And they could both be in the same campus. I wrote about that with Spencer Lee last year. And um, again, Spencer, fantastic wrestler. And I expect him to win gold in the Olympics at some point. But it's just different when you have a heavyweight. It's just like the difference between being a lightweight boxer and a heavyweight boxer. It's just you're known at that level a little bit more. You know who else could benefit a ton from that? Hmm. Ben Keeter. Yeah, no question. No question. The room would be lit. I use lit again. <laughs> you, you, you. <laughs> We're oh, not gonna... With that, let's take a break. That's an excellent spot to take a break here. We'll come back on the other side with more Hawkeye talk. Uh, let me get my read up here. Uh, I should know this one by heart by now. I probably do, but I don't want to mess it up. Support for the podcast, folks, comes from Systems Unlimited. Celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited. Over 50 years of great service in East Central Iowa. And we certainly appreciate them supporting the podcast. Here's some from some more of our sponsors, and we will be back on the other side. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. 
Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you folks for hanging in there for a minute or two as we pay the bills, as they say. Scott Docterman from The Athletic, Rob Howe, uh, Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. That's where you are. Oh, where do we want to go next? Let's go to uh, the newest Hawkeye football player. Uh, got Iowa received verbal commitment number 20 yesterday uh yeah wednesday july 19th chima chinike uh defensive end from plano texas had some nice offers kansas texas tech oklahoma state etc um good get iowa is doing well fourth defensive lineman in this class uh and some real intriguing prospects including mr chinike scott Oh, yeah. I think they've really done a nice job with this. And, and I really liked his film from what I saw, you know, and, and I think I feel the same way about really all four defensive linemen that you can see, you know, the starter kit is there. It's, it's going to take development. They're not going to walk in the door. They're not A.J. Epineza, you know, and going to walk in and contribute right away as far as being a, an elite player. But I think in two to three to four years, and I think I used – with Chinike, is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Chinike. Chinike. Um, I saw a lot of like Chauncey Golston, really, really long arms. Mm-hmm. And you can see that he has a build that he can really pile on some weight and some strength. I, I like his get off. Um, the long arms are something that I'm just like, wow, that's going to be fantastic. And uh, it's, at some point, you know, two to three years down the road after he's on campus, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, quite the player for Iowa. And, and I felt the same way uh, about Joseph Anderson from St. Louis. I thought, wow, that's a really good get. Devin Kennedy, I mean, if he's anything like his, his old man, he's going to be fantastic. And uh, Drew Campbell, you know, salt of the earth, tough guy like his brother. And uh, so I really like this this quartet. I think they've got the opportunity, uh, you know, whereas a couple of the more recent ones, I think are more, they're on developmental track. Um, I think these guys are developmental, but I like their potential to reach higher levels maybe than some of the others. Yep. And and in these situations, Scott, it almost always comes down to, you know, the, the kid and this group of kids coming in and develop, you know, buying into that development because it's, you know, that's hard. I mean, you're going from playing, playing, you know, consistently on your high school team to now working your way back up the ladder. And that can be difficult for guys and it doesn't work for everybody. So um, this is a good group of guys. You hope all four are able to hit that potential, hit that ceiling. Um, But you've got a good group there that, you know, you get – a half two of them that end up pushing through 
to that, you know, third year, possibly, you know, the red shirt sophomore year um, into that junior year. That's when you hope to see some returns. And I'm hoping all four guys do. And I think all four guys have that potential. Um, and it's just a matter of doing the work, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, they've been blessed, Rob, over the last few years to have some incredible depth. And they do this year because, you know, in, in if you were to turn back the clock to like 2015 or 16, if you were to have a situation with Noah Shannon, uh, you'd be like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? <laughs> you know, when they're throwing in Cedric Lattimore as a true freshman and he wasn't anywhere near ready, but it was just like you needed a body there to, to get in the way. Um, I think when you look at this roster and this depth chart now and defensive line that you can actually develop them. You can, without pressure, you know, now their own pressure is going to be to compete every single day and compete against one another, but with one another. Um, and you got guys coming in now, you know, this year, you know, Chase Brackney, I think is, is a guy that's got some real potential. You know, Kenny Merriweather is, you know, flashed a lot in high school, Max Borchard and Johnson who are coming in. Um, you know, he's a guy that's probably got a, you know, he's probably got a couple of years of development in him before he becomes the player that they want him to be. And then, and then you look at guys entering year two, um, you know, Brian Allen and, and Caden Crawford, and, you know, they've got a little bit of, you know, time. So it's, it's funny because all these guys, you just look at them and go, okay, if they develop up to their potential, They've got a chance to be really good. And a lot of them have hit that. And uh, and I, so I really like the way this unit is positioned. And I think, you know, now, Rob, with 20, you know, if, you know, they're waiting on Xavier Lucas, they've got a receiver with Jacon Reed coming in in September. But they're at a position now where they can be choosy. They don't have, they don't, I think they probably need another receiver, maybe another defensive back. If Lucas says, yay, go for it. Otherwise, I think they're okay sticking with what they have. Um, But, you know, and then they're in that position that Kirk likes to be, which is, hey, let's just take a peek at who's out there and who really develops over their senior year and plays well and then maybe offer them. So they've got, I think they've got another good group of walk-ons that they've, they've assembled so far. So I really like this class. I think low key, it's going to be one of the better classes they've had. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, going back to the, the defensive line development, they've done a good job of, you know, building guys up and we see the guys that are in that room now. And you look at guys like Ethan Herkett and Max Llewellyn, who mm-hmm. seem like they're just steadily climbing the ladder. Jeremiah Pittman. There are guys that seem like they're coming behind. And to your point earlier, where there wasn't depth, it's the foundation on the defensive line, I think, is as strong as any position in this program. Right. And when you have, you know, what, whatever, you know, Noah for this year and Joe Evans, six-year guys, and Logan Lee, um, and then behind him, as you said, you know, Deontay Craig. Yep, is, another is, guy. Yeah. And in the past, we didn't see this with this defensive line where you lose a, um, you know, a a first round draft pick and Lucas Van Ness and uh, you, you know, because that's I've only had two historically. And (laughs) and uh, it's almost like, eh, oh, well, Um, you lose John Wagoner, who is a player that, you know, was a multi-year starter, a stalwart. 
you know, uh, you'll be all right there. And then because you're looking at, you know, some of these Aaron Graves, we all see the talent. He's going to be a rock star. Jeremiah Pittman has come a long way to where, again, if we're turning back the clock, he would be in the rotation immediately now, today, if he was in 2017. You know, if you if we if Jaleel Johnson was off to the NFL, he'd be a guy that maybe starts. Um, you know, Max Llewellyn, you know, a guy coming along, Ethan Herkett, YA Black. I mean, there's there's a lot of players there that um that can play that are gonna start and um you know and and so that's why they can bring younger players along to develop them. And they have such a rapport and relationship with Kelvin Bell who's a superstar uh, on their recruiting trail for them that, you know, this is, you know, you could make the case that uh, other than maybe defensive back defensive line has been the the best unit for development and, and performance that Iowa's had in a long time. Yeah. You talk about, you know, two coaches that are uh, tuned into development. You go from Reese Morgan to, to Kelvin Bell. And those are two guys that are, have very keen eyes when it comes on the recruiting trail. And then when they um, get commitments from kids that they like on the recruiting trail, take that next step and just seamless transition into let this is, we're going to start here. We're going to start developing. And, you know, by the time you get, you know, two, three, four years in the program, you're going to be ready to go. Yeah. And, and that's what's made Iowa work all these years is, you know, the development. And, and you can make the case that the offensive line, they've missed on guys. Guys haven't developed. Guys have been injured probably at a higher rate than most other places. And that's why it's kind of fallen apart. Whereas on the defensive line, they've been able to maximize all of those players. So, mm-hmm. um, so I really think that, uh, you know, this is a situation where uh, they are way ahead and, and again, you know, I look at there are two now redshirt freshmen and Brian Allen and Caden Crawford and seeing their body development. And, and I think they're poised for, you know, maybe they're a year away, you know, because they just got so many, you know, high, you know, older players, but they have a potential to be really good players too. And, and, and this is where it all starts with Iowa and why they're so much better than most other programs in this area is that, Kelvin Bell is as real as it gets. He will tell you, um, hey, I'm, you know, this is where you sit. This is what we see of you. But they build that relationship because they don't bullshit anybody. They, you know, they look at him and say, we're going to build you up. We think you've got a lot what it takes, but also it's going to be hard. (laughs) They don't blow sunshine and they don't try to kiss on their neck and say, oh, please come, you know. So I I think overall, this is going to be this group. I could see at least two of them ending up as starters, and that's a big deal at Iowa. Yep, got to keep the pipeline going, and uh, you know you're not going to beat <clears throat> defensive line, especially defensive tackle, is one of those positions where if you have a four or five star defensive tackle in high school, he's probably going to a blue blood or um, you know a, a very high profile program unless Iowa has you know the AJ up and Nessa connection or something like that yeah. got ready-made defensive linemen are a premium yeah 
you could you could make the case that after quarterback that may be the you know quarterback maybe offensive tackle but i think even above offensive tackle that is the most sought after position you know because if because it just dictates the whole game and especially from that side of the ball if you have a a person who can get off the edge and, and rush the quarterback or dominate the interior of the line which is get to the quarterback but also bog up you know just destroy the running game that those are game changing players and those are premium positions and stuff. And I agree, you know, if it's if his last name's Epineza, whether it's AJ or IOC, you know, yo man coming up, if they can get to him, uh, which won't be easy, but you know, if they can, then, Hey, you know, they're uh, you know, those are game players that you just immediately plug and play, maybe not plug and start. <laughs> yeah. Well, they should, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, but otherwise that, you know, the Chauncey Golstons of the world to me are the ones where you, you point them out. And those are the ones that, that work for all these players. He came in at two fifteen, and, you know, been, but he worked his ass off and then he became a first team, all big 10 guy and a third round draft pick. And he played inside outside just, you know, and, and you can make the case that at the, you know, in the Nebraska game, he made the key play. He came off the edge and sacked and forced a fumble all those years of of development and toughness and tough days came to that pinnacle moment. And I think in the in recruiting process, what Kelvin does as well or better than anybody is he identifies players that have that same mental, you know, they have the, the requisite physical skills that they need to, de- to develop, but they also have the mental makeup that they can excel and, and work daily to get in that position and not be a me first guy. Yep. He gave us a glimpse in the frigid pinstripe bowl of what was to come, Chauncey Golston, with a, yeah. delivered a big play in that one as well. Um, where do I want to go here? Let's talk a little bit about player interviews the other day. We got uh, Caleb Brown for the first time, very uh, quiet young man, kind of mm. didn't <laughs> – was very uh, – subdued kind of with us which is fine um we're new people to him we're new reporters to him and uh i thought he gave some thoughtful answers uh during his interviews and uh i know you wrote about the Cade mcnamara joe evans relationship i asked joe about that i don't know if you were there when i was talking to him about it i'm sure you guys probably asked the same questions about the initial Mm -hmm. uh, rub between the two guys and Joe told me he went home and asked his parents what was wrong with Cade and why he didn't like him. It was, it was funny, but uh, let folks know kind of uh, what you have at the athletic on this uh, interesting uh, relationship. Uh, These two guys are now roommates. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, it's quite the bromance, isn't it? You know, Uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, Joe really did not like him. That was, no, it wasn't. I, I got the sense that it wasn't like a, a a cool story, bro. It was like, I don't like this dude and I may take his ass out. Yeah. And uh, you know, he went to, to Braithwaite even, and he's like, Hey, I, I have all kinds of conversations with Ray over all kinds of topics, not just football. And, you know, and he's just like, just, just give him a chance. Come on, you know, and, 
And so like two weeks later, he's like, I was still trying to decide on my sixth year if I was going to use it or not. And I didn't like him. I'm like, what's this kid's deal? And, and uh, then about two weeks later, there was a bunch of guys, they were going out to some dinner, going out to dinner together. And he was coming along and he's like, all right, I love my brothers, man. These guys are all my brothers, these football players just I'll try. And then within two weeks, they became inseparable. And, you know, and uh, Kate calls him the best friend he's ever had. You know, they've had, uh, uh, you know, they, when they had the trip to California, he brought Joe along to be there uh, to be like the strength and conditioning uh, czar, if you will, (laughs) you know, now they're moving in together. It's, it's, it's really, uh, you know, an amazing story, but, but, you know, in the big, narrowing it down for Iowa. I mean, it's fun between the two of them because, you know, sometimes that happens, but, but with the, for Iowa, you're talking about two, two major leaders, two guys that everybody looks to a sixth year defensive lineman. that was second team, all big 10 last year. Who's tied for the team lead in sacks the last two years, a former walk-on uh, well-respected salt of the earth, tough dude in Joe Evans and then you're talking about the quarterback that you bought in the transfer portal, and he is going to be, there's no doubt about it, he is the leader to the offense, and all the eggs are in that basket. And when you have your two leaders that, you know, at least in Joe's case, didn't like the other one, but then they worked it out and then became very close, and they build a relationship that's built on respect and friendship and trust and everything like that. I mean, you're looking at, okay, everybody's watching that and it rubs off on them and it, it shows the high character that they have. And I think this is a, this is a really, this is maybe one of those moments that you start to think back in November, you know, if things go the right way for Iowa, that this is a piece to the puzzle and the mosaic of their season. Yeah. And it, it's, they're kind of out of sight for the public after the bowl game pretty mm-hmm. much until kids day. I mean, mm-hmm. they get to see them, you know, the, the spring get together. And when we get to do, you know, when we conduct interviews and, and uh, write stories and, and post video and things like that. Um, but for the most part, what happens that next season, what happens in 23 has been building since January. Mm-hmm. Um you know, relationships from, you know, conditioning in the off season to spring ball to, uh, you know, seven on seven workouts and all that stuff. And this trip to California, these are all pieces of the puzzle, particularly from a bonding standpoint and a chemistry standpoint that you don't just build when you get to August camp, this stuff Mm -hmm. happens over time. And it's a lot of times happens organically like this situation. Yeah, it's always the case because if they don't like each other or if they don't even want to, you know, or not even that extreme, you know, they just don't care. You know, it's apathetic. That, that type of chemistry does not help a team. And meaning that the extra reps that you do in February and, uh, and all that kind of stuff really you know, help you get better. And then the extra reps you do on the field or the extra workouts or the discussions you have, you know, the, the, just the, the most minor details are so impactful in the season, which is in March, maybe they are, maybe 
then I don't even know what their, you know, their cubicles or whatever that they watch their vi- videos on if they go into the, the facility, but maybe they watch it together and maybe, Hey, see this, this is what he's doing right here. And, you know, and why he's been successful doing this. Oh, that's really cool. Thanks for letting me know, take a note of it. And then you apply it. I mean, that's what relationships do. And when it all comes down and we pointed this, I've pointed this out a lot is, Third and seven against Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, it's a tight game and I expect it to be in Madison. You know, what are you going to do? What is maybe what Joe Evans saw of how um, one of the Wisconsin linebackers lines up and, oh, look the way he fights with his hands. He's expecting this. That applies to Cade McNamara, who completes that third down pass, who maybe leads him on a touchdown drive to win the game versus, eh, I don't care, this guy, F this guy, you know, and he doesn't point it out. And that guy gets the quarterback. He disrupts the pass. Iowa punts, maybe loses by a field goal. It, it really, those smallest details in February and March and June matter so much in, in October and November. It's, it's, it really boils down to a lot of those situations. Yeah, and that team chemistry and just, you know, everybody pushing in the right direction helps a great deal when adversity hits. And it hits, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, you know, if they lose at Iowa State, being able to flush that and bounce back or Penn State or get, a, you know, lose a couple games in a row, not completely falling apart. And we see that time and time again at Iowa where there'll be, you know, um, a bad game or a bad series or, you know, a bad stretch of games that the team picks itself up. And a lot has a lot to do with what they do during the off season is mm-hmm. bu- building belief in each other and continuity and chemistry to keep pushing through for an entire season. It's a grind. It is. Uh, you look at so many situations in the way that they've rebounded and, us against the world, and it's there. Uh, you look at last year after what happened at uh, Illinois and Ohio State back to back. I mean, and they're three and four. And if you were to ask me, they're either a going to win five out of the next six, or they're going to lose five out of the next, last six, next six. I thought they were going to lose. I really did. I, I just thought that they just didn't look the part. Well, that's where team chemistry, leadership. Uh, mentality. It, it starts at the top, but make no mistake, if the players aren't buying in, then it's not going to happen. And you look at all these other key junctures in recent Iowa history. I think 2020 is as good of an example as any to have what they dealt with in the off season, both internally and then externally with COVID and everything. And then to start 0-2 and, and your wide receiver gets an OWI it could have fallen apart completely from there. And instead they had one of the best years they ever had. Uh, 2016 to go to Penn state and get bombed by giving up 600 yards and then come back and beat Michigan. You got to have it. You got to have that mental approach. And it takes a lot of the the chemistry in the off season to, to do that. And it takes leadership. It takes coaching because at those key junctures, Anybody that was wishy-washy on that team had just gone in the other direction. Oh, this team sucks. But they did it. You know, they won eight games last year with a team that with an offense that could barely win one. You know, and it and they squeezed a lot of the last drop of every ketchup bottle they had, but they did it. And 
And it goes back to how they feel about one another, how they interact. And, you know, it's, it, and it's a new team every year. You can't just rely on because there's no Jack Campbell this year. You know, somebody else is going to have to fill that void, that vacuum. And I'm not saying middle linebacker because there's no other middle linebacker like Jack Campbell, but leadership, toughness, third and four, who's going to make the stop, who's going to complete the pass, who's going to, you know, kick the game-winning field goal. All those things are, you know, that, that really st- it really does start, Rob. It starts in, in January. And and if uh, <laughs> if you got a defensive end who doesn't take that next step after F this kid to – you know, now they're best buds, then it could have an adverse situation because what happens in training camp? You know, if he, if Caden completes a couple of passes and starts, you know, talking smack, you know, what Joe Evans does at that point, if he doesn't like him, has ramifications throughout the camp and the way the teams feel about each other and picking one another up. And then if the offense goes out at Iowa state and goes three and out four straight times, you know, it could be the difference between, hey, come on, we got him. You're, you're all right. Versus, why don't you guys freaking do something? You know, and that's that's where it all boils down. I think in my head through the years of I've gotten conditioned now to uh, not overreact to an Iowa loss or or mm-hmm. even multiple losses. I, I in my just mental Rolodex going back to 2002 after the Iowa State game or 2004 after Arizona State and Michigan, or 2008 after that loss in Illinois on the field goal in Juice. I mean, you go through the years, all these times where you're like, shit, the, you know, this thing's falling apart, and then, boom, they figure it out. And that's why um, Scott and I are talking about the importance of this, the, the off-season program, the eight months you put into before taking the field. And the consistency and being able to navigate that and being able to deal with adversity, it, it's not an accident. It's not a mistake when it, when it happens this frequently, when it happens repetitively through a quarter of a century. You're right. And there are things to criticize Kirk Ferentz for, but this is, this is one to praise him for. And I've, I've seen a lot of great coaches and a lot of great sports compete at the highest level for a long time, you know, a Nick Saban, you know, you cannot question his success or anybody or Bill Belichick or whatever, but I've never seen a better coach when, when it comes to adversity and bouncing back than Kirk Ferentz, because all those situations, there's only been a couple of years, Rob, where they have went down the tubes. Oh, six. That was a year where things fell apart, but how did they play in that bowl game? Against Texas, they were six and six. Texas was ten and two, and they really damn near they should have won, and they could have won, and maybe a bad call away from winning. Uh, when you look at 2012, okay, their talent was was pretty sparse on the offensive side, and they were four and eight. But they're also, you know, when they lost two NFL linemen back to back, that that was really impactful. I think they could have maybe squeezed out a bowl season, but you're looking at. Those two seasons, maybe um, even 2010, where their expectations were so high. Uh, when you look at the losses, was it chemistry based? I don't know. I think they were just they played really good teams and got beat in the last few minutes of those games, except for the Minnesota game. You know, I, I so I, I think you've got that to really take that. Beat, that team beat a double digit win Missouri team mm-hmm. right. in the ball game. Exactly. Without what, you know, when there were fights, you know, you didn't talk about chemistry, there were some chemistry issues, you know, and there were fights in, in the, uh, 
and bowl prep when you had your running back uh, arrested the day before. And yet they went and they beat a 10 and two Missouri team that was ranked what 12th in the country. So to be able to, to put it all behind them and, you know, Michigan game, well, that really says a lot for this program and what its strengths are and how embedded it is. And, and it's getting the right people on the bus and keeping them on the bus and building up that organic leadership and relationships. And I think Cade McNamara and Joe Evans are just, uh, you know, another cog into to what is, you know, happened for 25 years. Yeah, looking forward to this season, very intriguing storylines and uh, kind of the new, age of college football with transfer portal and all that. I'm interested to see how it all comes together uh, this season. Um, had to get to this at some point, Scott. Uh, awful news uh, this last week uh, in terms of, um, you know, last week we were at a, uh, at a ceremony for uh, one of our colleagues who passed away and Steve Batterson uh, then we learned uh, last week about the passing of Randy Larson, longtime commissioner uh, of the primetime league and game time league um, and local lawyer and huge Iowa basketball supporter. Uh, and then another punch in the gut this week, losing a guy that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, actually in relation to the offensive line and some of the struggles uh, directly related to his uh, injuries and, you know, the injuries that ended, ended his career. And uh, Cody Ince was, I mean, everything I've seen, everything I've heard, people I've talked to was just a super, super guy, super kid, uh, and just tragic. 23 sh- shouldn't happen. It, it shouldn't happen. And he was that uh, Tuesday. That we what? learned about that Cody incident. Yeah, we, we learned. Yeah, two days ago. yeah, it happened Saturday. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, really, I I don't know what to say on this one. It's just I know it's crushing uh, for that for the football program and his family, and uh, just awful. Gage to be married, just terrible. Yeah. yeah, and you know there are obviously different categories. You know, Randy lived a full life and was is instrumental to basketball popularity wise he was part of that rise you know with the with the primetime league and then later with the game time league um i'll kind of start there and just and i think i was missing something not having ptl um because it gave fans a chance to see these players and interact with some of them up close in the summer and and it gave us a chance to write about them and talk to them and see them and what and, and kind of help build up the program in a positive way. And and I think not having that has been a, a detriment for Iowa basketball. And, and and I think in Randy's case, nobody loved that thing more than him. <laughs> I mean, no, and I was uh, I said to somebody the other day, I said, I, I don't I, there are other people that could do what he did. But it's it's a short list. I mean, he yeah. was completely invested in that endeavor. He loved it. He was there. He was in charge of it, and, you know, and coached. he let you know. Yeah, coached and, you know, commissioner and. Uh, Got us know. box scores. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he did. It, it, I mean, he'd be out there on the, you know, the Xerox machine yeah. making sure we got box scores while the games are going on. Right. Uh, so, you know, there were times when it was. 
you know, let's face it, there were eye rolling moments with Randy. <laughs> you know, there were times where, you know, some of you our colleagues. Be a little hyperbolic. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. About <laughs> players. And, and there were times when some of our, uh, some of our colleagues might say, come on, God, it's just a, it's, <laughs> It's Sunday afternoon. Let's go. Don't call this timeout with three minutes to go, you know, (laughs) you know, and, uh, you know, so there's so many memories with the PTL that way. Plus it's only a couple blocks from my house, but I think, you know, it did show his love and appreciation for the program. He was an amazing supporter. It promoted the league like no other. It, it helped, it helped us with our jobs and it really helped Iowa you know, because when you saw, you know, a couple of gyms, two gyms full of people, whether it was on a Wednesday night or a Thursday or a Tuesday or whatever in the midweek, and then on a Sunday, um, it helped promote it. And then he he also adapted, you know, when you and I was like, man, that's too far for us to drive. Well, then he had games up at, in Waterloo. Yep. And so he he made it uh, made it work. And I think it was really helpful for the Iowa program, you know, again, it, was it important to their skill development? No. I mean, they learned how to do things in a better way. And, but I think uh, it, it just, you know, being able to watch Tyler Cook go out there and Tomahawk or, you know, just all the players and then former players sticking around and and playing in it for a while. And, and then the small college guys and even Marcus Page, I think, competed in it when he was like in eighth grade. You know, I remember. Yeah. I mean, and uh it was probably late nineties. They were still playing at West high. Mm-hmm. And I remember covering that game and it was like AC Earl was playing. Um, Jeff settles was still at Iowa, I think. Uh, uh, Brad Lowhouse. I mean, it was those there were back then there were a lot of guys that would come, you know, that had NBA experience or were still in the NBA who would come back and play in that league in the summer. Um, you know, and and that team had you know Ryan Bowen and J.R. Koch and Kent McCausland. Um, those were fun summer league games. Hot as shit in the West High gym with no air conditioning, but uh, fun games to watch. And uh, man, just think about all the players that played in that league for thirty-one years. A lot mm-hmm. of really good players. A lot of pros, you know. You, and and again, you know that's. That's unfortunate. You know, there, there were times, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say this was just all wonderful. I mean, after about the first two or three, you're ready for it to end, (laughs) but it was, uh, it was good to see those athletes. It was good to see, get the exposure and, and nobody promoted it, liked it. Like Randy, I sat in on the draft one year with him. I think it was at Monica's and, uh, you know, just kind of went over, you know, everything. I thought it was, you know, it was just, or no, it was his law offices. I was there at a different function there or something, but, you know, so, you know, rest in peace, Randy, um, you made a mark for sure in the community. He also, you know, worked pro bono, pro bono a lot on when it came to some attorney, you know, situations with Iowa athletes and, um, you know, so his, his, he will be missed because he was a real important piece to the Iowa basketball puzzle for a long, long decades. Yep. And had some great restaurants. Uh, yeah. Bob's your uncle, Monica's airliner. I mean, pretty involved in uh, the community uh, in Iowa city and he certainly will be missed as will Cody. Ince. that's just to me, yeah. I, it's one of those ones where you just, 
yeah. know, like Kyle Callaway, you're like, this can't be real. And mm-hmm. unfortunately it is. And just, you know, condolences to their families. I can't even imagine, you know, being a parent with that slight going through that. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this one hits home a little bit for me because um, I took my son up to college one time. I think it was his freshman year. And then I went out and visited Cody, who was, you know, an hour-ish east of St. Paul, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, spent the afternoon with him and talked to his family, his coaches, went to a basketball practice of his. And, you know, really a quiet, reserved guy, but a fun guy. And had some really good, um, you know, discussions. He loved to hunt. You really fit in well at Iowa. You know, I, I remember you know, he got his bear and that was a big deal, you know, because he's a bear hunter in, in Wisconsin. He was on his ice fishing high school team. <laughs> you know, they have their own <laughs> shanty up there and on a lake. And, and it was like, just, I mean, so to see the outpouring of his teammates and the pain that they're having is really, it's really sad. I mean, 23 years old, it's, you know, Randy lived a full life and, you know, you're going to miss him and, and what he represented. But we have somebody like that who's, you know, he, he had to retire early. He was an NFL lineman. I agree. You know, he was, if he wasn't hurt in, in 21, if he wasn't hurt all of that, uh, you know, had to retire early, he might've been, you know, he would have been an NFL draft pick. He would have been on the team. He could have played five positions. That's what they always talked about. He's probably best served as an interior lineman. And it's just, it's just a shame. It's so sad when this happens. And, and so I feel for his former teammates and, and everything with him. Yeah, it was when I had heard about it and went to his memorial page uh, and his services will be let people know that uh, uh, Cody's family will greet visitors on Saturday, July 22nd. So in two days from two to four at the Unity High School Gymnasium. Uh, that is in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin, uh, with a celebration of life at 4 p.m., uh, officiated by Rev- Reverend Angie Cutney, and followed by continued celebration at the Brow Teen Events Center, uh, and that's in Amory, Wisconsin. And uh, the honorary pallbearers will include Levi and Landon Paulson, along with Jack Heflin, his former teammates, uh, and that is this Saturday in Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, just, I, you can tell, I mean, I think there's that, um, you know, when, when you lose somebody that you love and you know, or as a former teammate, there's that initial kind of outpouring and, but it just, you read when you read reaction from his former teammates, you really got a sense of how well liked he was. And it was something as simple as, what Tyrone Tracy Jr. wrote on his uh, on the memorial page Tuesday morning that kind of brought a tear to my eye about, you know, Cody would bring in uh, animal jerky, turkey jerky, beef jerky, whatever he was hunting, he would bring yeah. jerky in and he would make sure to find Tyrone because Tyrone loved it so much. He would find Tyrone to give make sure he got some of that jerky that he brought in. And that's just, it's a little thing, but I think it, it really gives you insight into who he was as a person, just a really engaging and uh, aware person, a good person. And that's, you know, 
you hate to lose anybody when, but when you see somebody who's 23 that has so much to give, who's giving to society, who's making the world a better place, it it just it's heartbreaking. Yeah, for sure. I, I I feel for him, you know, and and those those are the stories that matter. I mean, they they came in the same class together. Uh, you know, Joe Evans just talked. You know, he was kind of the same way. You know, he was came in as a walk on. You know, the same year and just how they, you know, Grizz is what they called him. You know, got part hunting bear, but just because of the size that he had and everything, and um, and to go out of your way to do that for somebody. You know, it, and it it shows just how what a great uh, melting pot a football program can be. You know, here's Cody Entz from a really small town, northern Wisconsin. You know, going out of his way as an offensive lineman, going out of his way to give jerky to Tyrone Tracy, you know, a young African American man from Indianapolis who plays wide receiver. It just shows you that the connections that everybody has, it's organic and it's real. And 23, man, that's, that's tough. Yeah. It's awful. Um, it goes to show that we can find common ground in life if we look hard enough and uh, yeah. treat each other well. And uh, I think that's kind of what part of what Cody's legacy will be. So a kid that, you know, fought through injuries, mm-hmm. did his best to try to be on the field and help his teammates. Yeah. Uh, and then certainly was very um, inclusive and um, aware of his teammates off the field and, and, you know, looking to connect with them. And that's sucks. And definitely, uh, feel for his fiance and his parents and and all of his family and uh, oh, it sucks. It really does. Somebody uh, hair trigger again. Still in the chat room. You know, Cody Ince, Kyle Calloway, Damon Bullock, uh, Derek Mitchell, Tyler Sash. I mean, you go down the list, and this uh, it's awful when these yeah. things happen. Um, and you just uh, you hope for peace as much peace as these folks can find that were loved ones. And uh, yeah, there's no making sense of it, especially as a parent, you think about it and you're like, man, just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, prayers for him and his family and the friends and, and uh, hopefully they can remember him as well, as fondly as they do now. And um, I guess we'll just, uh, I, I imagine Kirk will say something next week. Yes, and he did have a, a press release as well. If folks want to check that out, I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it's hit him pretty hard. He, he yeah. was uh, obviously offensive line uh, is is an area that Kirk w- works with frequently, so uh, they had a connection. Um, not really any way to transition, but for our and uh, here on kind of a uh, an up note, so to speak, uh, our Kate. Where it's kind of like where's Waldo, but where's <laughs> Caitlin Clark this week? You know, John Deere, I Cubs games. Uh, this week she will be at the IndyCar race as the Grand Marshal at the Iowa Speedway. Scott, <laughs> she can do it all. Yeah, she can. I mean, gentlemen, start your engines. Uh, it'll be Caitlin Clark saying that before an IndyCar race. Uh, 
you know, what can't she do? And she just, she's so popular. It's not really a forced situation. It's like, who's the most popular person in Iowa? I mean, who knows in 10 years, she might be celebrity picker at some, you know, if I, if I was ever on college game day again, you know, uh, (laughs) they can do a lot worse than that. Yeah. She'll be the celebrity picker. She and Gable Steveson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but uh you know that it's yeah where's waldo where's caitlin i mean is she playing in, in, in a golf uh, pro-am or throwing out the first pitch at uh you know wrigley or minor league facility or um you know she's going to italy you know probably see some relatives over there because they're on her mom's side that they're all italian so <laughs> that's the good side yeah, yeah. Speaking of somebody who's three quarters from somebody who's three quarters Italian. Yeah, for you, it's uh, you know you just don't have the last name, uh, right? But, yeah, exactly. Hey, My mom uh, does. No, <laughs> Angelello. Angelello. Okay, yeah. gotcha. It's, it's kind of Italian. <laughs> it's a I'm, dead giveaway. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm as German as it gets. So. <laughs> <laughs> Except I don't eat beets or sauerkraut. I hate both of them. But really, yeah. Oh, God no. Oh. I love both of those. And oh, I, I, and I'm Italian, so you never can tell. Yeah, you I probably like, like pasta, right? I do. Pizza, pasta, <laughs> you, bruschetta, you betcha. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I'm writing a story. It's, it's going to go up on Monday. Is, uh, you know, her and her, her roommate, Kylie Fearback, uh, you know, both of them are, uh, they have a rivalry going with baseball. I mean, Caitlin is as Cubs as it gets. And Kylie is a Chai Sox athlete. And uh, so she's she's got that as an NIL deal. And so she's going to be at, uh, uh, you know, she's been a guaranteed rate park throwing out their field, throwing out first pitches a couple of times. And this Cubs and Sox play next week. So uh, it's going to that's going to be a fun little story that I wrote that uh, appears with our Chicago section. Right. Yeah. They uh, Cubs and Sox both stink like my Mets. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out football season. Go hey. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I, can't, I still have not come to terms with this, Scott. Hey, at least you get to watch him on uh, Hard Knocks this year. Yeah, so. I know. And he, I saw he was bitching about that the other day. He's uh, he's a peach. Last thing here, Scott, before we get out, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it is the, the big story in the Big Ten right now, what's happening in Evanston. And uh, it seems like daily – this is getting ugly, man. There's lawsuits now, and, uh, you know, Fitz is trying to get, you know, his his money from the university. And uh, it's just – this thing doesn't seem like it's going to get better anytime soon. And that's – we talked about it last week, um, you know, the, the student-athletes that are having to go to – Indianapolis next week and probably be the ones to answer the questions about this. I don't like that. I I think it should be the president and the athletic director in Indianapolis. Hopefully they do the right thing and do there, but with litigation, who knows, they're just going to say, well, we can't say anything because there's pending litigation. So we're going to send the 22 and 23 year olds out there to answer your questions. Yeah. And it's bullshit when you, you bring them out and then you tell them, Hey, just football questions only. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, come on. Uh, this is, yeah, because how do you, how do you, you know, rationalize that and separate those two? What's going on off the field is friggin' directly impacting what these guys are going to experience this fall. 
Yeah, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald is the biggest figure that in that school's athletic history, you know, um, and he was the head coach for a long time. And you guys and, had a, I, I don't want to forget this. You guys have a big, pretty big story on this at the athletic today, right? Yeah. Brian Hamilton and Kalen Kaler wrote about, uh, you know, they interviewed 21 players. Some went on record. Some went on, went on, you know, uh, back, yeah. And, uh, described, you know, Camp Kenosha and what it was like there. And to a man, they all, you know, it, it all the, the hazing, you know, I guess it's to what degree you believe is hazing versus guys screwing around, but it's all legit. And that's, that's not cool. Not in today's world. And I know some people, Oh, it's less than what they have to do in the Marines. No, that's not true. You know, then, and, and the hazing, you know, again, everybody did something stupid when they're kids, it's just the way kids are, but this is beyond that. It's, and it's, I don't know what to make of Northwestern right now. And I don't think football is the biggest topic with Northwestern North. You know, I can't imagine them if they win a game, I'll be surprised because they didn't have a very good team to begin with. They were one and 11 last year and uh, to go without fits to try to put something together. Um, I I think this is, it's an incredible detriment to expect 22 year old young men to go out and try to, save the day for the program it should i wouldn't have one problem whatsoever if the big 10 said all right the players aren't going to be here i and i think it should be left up to them i remember when in the wake of the sandusky situation and penn state's players were there and it was but they had really true leader types and it wasn't and the difference is with northwestern who knows what these players did? They may have been perpetrators and they may have been victims and we don't know. Maybe they were both. And so it's, it's, it's different than like the Penn state situation where they were, you know, Michael Motti and Devin still still. And those guys were, you know, that they were clearly off the radar. And Sandusky had been retired. Yeah. So these guys were, I mean, these guys were just, you know, playing under Fitzgerald a few weeks ago. Right. And, 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 you know, their feelings maybe, you know, and, and are they going to be able to say exactly what they want to say? No, they're going to be coached to say, you know, don't say anything about this This is under investigation, blah, blah, blah. That's not, I can see it being kind of, um uncomfortable too it's definitely going to be uncomfortable but if you have somebody you know from northwestern sports information department uh you know filtering questions as they come in from people wanting to ask about this situation it's going to be really wonky it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be i don't know how productive or useful it's going to be right and you know it is going to be, and it is going to be a story. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I, I'm all for as much, tra- you know, whether it's transparency or just openness in player interviews and whatever. But if Northwestern's players wanted to back out, more power to them. I don't. I don't understand. I am surprised that they're going to at this point go through it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that day it's like they're off limits. Because what are you, what are you going to ask about new quarterback transfer Ben Bryant? Come on, you know, you can ask about, you know, how do they rebound from one and 11 season that those are questions. And then 
you feel weird asking that because nobody cares and you're not going to write about it anyway. So I don't know. This is I saw I something know. about Dave Wanstat being yeah. asked to come in as an, adv- I guess they're looking to fill Fitz's coaching because they have, they can hire somebody because Fitz yeah. is no longer there. They have an opening. They're looking for some like advisor or something yeah. to oversee the interim coach. Yeah. That's what they're, they're doing. But you know, I know he said he turned it down and I guess Skip Holtz was asked and he's turned it down. And, and so it's, it's just been a, I don't know what they're going to try to get or, at, you know, find, but it's not. This you is, would think this they is, would try to find somebody with maybe a Northwestern background, but I, I'm going to think that a lot of those people that maybe would be um, qualified for that job have a relationship with Fitz because they oh, came yeah. through the program. Well, yeah, Fitz is the big, you know, he's, he played, he was the most important football player they've ever had. I mean, Otto Graham's the best, but he was the most important one. And he's been the coach forever. He is Northwestern football. And he stepped in after a tragedy after Randy Walker. So, right. You know, and Gary Barnett before that, he, you know, he coached Fitz. He's not going to say anything negative about Fitz. I mean, so all this stuff, it's all interconnected that you've got to have somebody outside but then, you know, going forward, how are you going to have somebody from the outside come in and build a network of donors and trust and recruiting? I just think this is this is going to be a really difficult situation. And I think next week could be a really bad look for Northwestern, for the Big Ten. And unfortunately, you know, some of our media brethren, you know, uh, you know, people I probably work with. Uh, are they're going to be a part of this and and there's going to be questions asked that are going to be really uncomfortable and um and you're going to look like an asshole but it's the way it works in this situation and and uh, as we know from taking videos on Tuesdays and after games sometimes that those situations are unavoidable and uh yeah, we had the what the Urban Meyer situation wasn't mm-hmm. that long ago when, yeah was it Brett McMurphy who took him yeah, Zach Smith, you know, the yeah. assistant coach and all that kind of situation. I mean, yeah, this is – these can be really, really weird. Well, I'm going to observe because, unfortunately, these Northwestern kids are going to be up there the same day as Iowa uh, next Wednesday. So I'm sure we will observe that and uh, report back to our podcast listeners. Anything else we need to uh... – to talk about Scott, um, we got basketball player interviews today. Not sure who we get, but uh, we can talk about that next week. Whatever we get out of that, probably the freshmen, I would think, that haven't been yeah. available. Yeah, I guess you got uh, basketball players today. Um, I, I won't be able to go, but I think uh, you know there might be some interesting things discussed. And then uh, next week, Big Ten Media Days, and then it all really starts from there. So all those days of enjoying summer they're they're gone with the wind (laughs) yeah so people that don't have to don't aren't involved in what we do enjoy the rest of your summer ours is about over (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly it didn't feel like it ended i mean with uh, the series that we've worked and i've worked on with uh the realignment is taking up so much of my summer that it's almost feels like it's uh not summer. Got yeah, there, I've noticed there aren't many slow times in this business anymore. I mean, there's always something going on. So uh, it's better than the alternative with nothing yeah. going on. So right. we'll take it. Yeah. I mean, ever since summer recruiting became, a, you know, last five or six years has really taken off. It's 
it's uh, changed the the calendar for us. I mean, June used to be, yeah, well, all right, PTL, and that's about it. You know, maybe you get players once for football or something, but no, now it's it's busy. It is, and it's about to get a lot busier. And Scott and I will be back on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast to talk about it all. As I said, uh, next week we'll kind of give – I'll give you a heads up when we're going to um, – when we are going to record, uh, we'll be in Indianapolis. I'm coming back Wednesday, but Scott's down there for two days. He's got other uh, responsibilities at the event to take care of. But we'll shoot for Friday morning if everything holds. If not, I will let you guys know what the plan is. Uh, until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy uh, the summer and uh, your cookouts and whatever's going on in your life. And um, Scott's got a... Uh, Scott's got a uh, event coming up this Saturday um, mm-hmm. that we look forward to. Well, maybe we'll have some conversation about that next week as well. And at least things that we can share publicly. Yeah. Yeah. There. <laughs> well, you know, if it was, uh, you know, turn back the clock uh, 28 years or whatever, then, then, man, then maybe we wouldn't have to, I'd be surprised if there's anything that goes that crazy, but yeah. <laughs> Scott's got the big five Oh coming this, this, uh, this September. So we're going to celebrate a little early because we can't get to that stuff during the football season. So if you see Scott or interact with him on, uh, on social media, make sure to let him know that he is not only an old dude. He's a 50 year old dude. Man, I'm going to get that, that ARP. I can't wait for the ARP card and the four <laughs> o'clock special, man. I've been getting them for <laughs> six years now, now wow. that I'm well into my fifties. So All right, folks, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks so much to our sponsors, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.